The Manage Smarter Show is brought to you by SalesCred, the sales skill building solution that empowers sales teams worldwide to multiply sales opportunities by improving perception, accelerating trust building, and by earning repeat business. Get the best-selling book by C. Lee Smith, download the free mobile app, and now sign up for the SalesCred Masterclasses. Book your session now at salescred.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You know, Lee, I watched another podcast interview with our guest today, and she swears she's an optimistic person, but her favorite word is no. You would know it from the titles of the books, right? You would would not. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the word no. It has so many different meanings and nuances to it, particularly for sales managers and and any manager for that matter. You know, when I'm counseling people on building their sales credibility, I I like to say yes starts with no, K-N-O-W. But, you know, (laughs) with this guest or whatever, yes actually starts with no, N-O. So that's we're going to get into that a little bit. We're also going to talk about not only uh, how the salesperson can can embrace that, but also what can the sales manager do. And also we're going to talk about how – a uh, a manager of any sort basically needs to embrace the word no because you're going to hear it whether it's getting a pet project turned down or not getting the budget that you need or anything like that. How do you be resilient and rebound from that and make that work for you? And uh, that's going to be some of what we're going to talk about today. It's a fascinating topic. So welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the founder and CEO of SalesFuel. Okay, so Andrea Waltz is the co-founder of Courage Crafters Incorporated and co-author of the best-selling book, Go For No. Yes is the destination. No is how you get there. For almost two decades, Andrea has been teaching people in virtually every business and industry how to think and feel differently about failure, rejection, and the word no to achieve their goals and dreams. A member of the highest regarded professional groups of women in sales, women sales pros, Andrea is considered a top sales influencer online, featured on lists curated by HubSpot, Salesforce.com, LiveHive, and many more. And you know, the bookly Go For No, it reached number one on Amazon sales and selling list in 2010, sold 500,000 copies. Latest book out February of this year, it's called when they say no. Andrea, welcome. And I'm going to Lee take the first question because he, he has got something specific he wants to to go for. Well, actually, no, I, I just wanted, before we dive into it, I just kind of wanted you to, to share this because as salespeople, um, you know, and sales managers too, for that matter, it's like, you know, we're programmed then to win and we, 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 we enjoy the thrill of, of winning and winning a sales contest and, and and hearing the word yes and everything like that. And the word no basically is either a speed bump or for some people, basically, it's like it's all stopped because, you know, they're so emotionally wrapped up into it. So, you know, from both a management perspective, and also in a salesperson's pr- perspective, like how, how should we be thinking differently about the word no? Yeah, Lee. Well, great question. And first of all, I am super excited to be with both of you today. And um 
So, you know, rejection, the, the no is the elephant in the room. And I think it's the um, it's the reality for salespeople. They, uh, of course, hate it because it means um, it means that deals are not closing and it, it, and it means more work and it means more stress. So it's a super, super negative for salespeople. For sales managers, you have that as well. But there's also the messy part, which is how do I help people through these feelings? You know, it's so much better when something's tactical like how do i put together this proposal how 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 can i explain this price increase um those are more tactical things and then when you get into fear of failure fear of rejection procrastination all of these things um it's just messy cuz cuz so much of it has to do with feelings and mindset and it is the elephant in the room i think that often isn't addressed and salespeople aren't all that eager, and I don't blame them, to be in the sales meeting when sales are down 8%, to raise their hand really high in the air and say, I don't know about everyone else, but I have a debilitating fear of rejection. <laughs> it's like, nobody wants to say that. You don't want to look weak because are you going to get the next plum assignment? Are you going to get the next hot you know, um, lead if you are out there admitting that this is an issue for you? So I think that's the first challenge in dealing with that. And I think that's why Go For No resonates so much because we bring it out in the open and say, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it from a strategic standpoint, which is really kind of what, where our book, When They Say No, comes in, those tactics, those actual things that you can do. And then let's talk about it from a mindset, which is, yes, we want yes. Yes is the destination, but no is how you get there. And if we avoid opportunities to hear no, if we avoid taking chances, if we avoid those failures, we're going to also avoid hearing those yeses. And so we come at no from both uh, both perspectives. So yeah, no is a result, right? So it's it, it's like the worst thing that can happen is you get ghosted or somebody turns you down and or, or you know or someone's not you know returning your calls or something like that and you have no idea why. But it's like if you get a yes, that's ultimately the goal. But if you get a no, that's that's a result. So uh, you know how can yeah even even a manager is like yeah you know, so you're, you're pitching an idea, uh, you know either to the board or, or to your bosses and everything like that. Uh, you you want to do a new strategy. You want to add a, a, another salesperson or two. You need budget for something like that. You get shot down. So, but no is a result. So, but boy, that kind of rings hollow. You know, it, it doesn't feel like, you know, that, that, that it's a win. It feels like, it still feels like a loss. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a loss. It's there's no there's no getting around that. It's not the result we wanted. But the whole the whole idea behind Go for No is to reprogram the way we think about failure and rejection and seeing it as a positive, so that we continue the behaviors necessary to be successful. And we know what those behaviors are from a sales standpoint. It's doing more prospecting. It's it's calling on that person that you assumed would say no. It's making those asks. It's it's getting turned down like you just in your example Lee and saying, "Okay, um maybe I could come back with a different proposal. Um maybe you know, what can I learn from this? How can I come back 6 months from now and and get that yes?" And so the lessons are there, but the lessons are not there if we just take that no and we say, okay, I failed, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, I shouldn't, I don't want to talk about it. 
and I'm not going to look for the lessons. I'm just going to, um, you know, pack up and kind of go home and I'm not going to try again. And so the whole idea with go for no is to focus on the behaviors necessary to be successful and to continue those behaviors. And then when you do get that no, see it as the result it is, and then look back and say, what what are some of the things that I might want to change in the future? But I'll tell you, you know, there's something else to this as well, though. And that is that when you have very little data, you you can't just look at one isolated incident and say, okay, this doesn't work. I've got to change this up. And I think that's from a management standpoint as well. I think that's what salespeople tend to do. And managers have to be on the lookout for this, which is, okay, that that approach didn't work. I've got to change up my approach. Well, wait a minute. How many people did you talk to with that approach? What are we talking about here? Was this just one person and you got to know and now you're assuming that the messaging is wrong or the delivery was wrong? Like get some actual hard data and enough of it so that you can say, yeah, you know what? It's it, You need to switch it up. And I think that's what a manager can provide is that some of that objectivity where they can look at it and say, um, do this again and again, and let's listen to it and let's look at it, and then let's change it if it continues to not work. I'm somebody who's wired differently. Maybe there's something wrong with me, but when I hear no, it just, it's fuel. It's like shooting me out of a cannon. It's actually a motivator. But you say there are two models of failure and success, which people should need to adopt. And I'm curious to know what those are, because not everybody, as as you said, most people feel bad about no. So Audrey, what's funny about that is if we speak to a room of a thousand people, there's always mm-hmm. one person who comes up afterwards and says, I want you guys to know that I loved your presentation. I have no problem hearing the word no, <laughs> no problem whatsoever. Rolls off my back. I love it. Um, but I'm so glad you were here for everybody else in the room who had, who, you know, has to deal with this. So oh there's God. always, okay. <laughs> there's always, no, but it's great because there's always, and, and you just have that natural, um, that natural skill, that natural resilience built into you that you love it. You see it as a challenge. And, and for whatever reason, a lot of us get programmed. We don't see it as exciting or challenging, or how am I going to get around this? We just see it as a big stop sign. Yeah. Right. And so this model that you're referring to is something we have in the go for no book. And it's real simple. Um, it's it's the model that we have been taught as a society. And I have seen this, um, you know, our book has been all over the world. And I've heard from people in so many different countries. And they go through the exact same thing. They get taught this same model, which is they are in the in the middle failure, rejection, hearing the word no is on one side, success, hearing yes, everything we want is on the other side. And we are all taught to move toward success, toward the yeses, and avoid those failures, avoid the no. And so as a result, we think that hearing no is bad. We think that if we get a no during the sale, that now we're not building a relationship with the customer, that um, that we have somehow failed. But the new model, the, the model that people should be operating is, uh, is that they're on one side, the failure, rejection, hearing no is in the middle and the success and the yeses are on the other side. Oh, and so what's, okay. re- we get, what's required is that we move through those no's. And it seems like kind of just this little like cutesy model, like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, failure, success on, on either side. Oh, we move through it. And we all have heard that failure is a stepping stone on the way to success. 
The reason why this model is so important, though, is because of our programming. Because when we tell people, hey, we want you to go for no, we want you to hear no more often. If your head hits the pillow at night and you did not hear a no today, you are not selling to your full potential. That is what we believe. You've got to, you're not, you're not going after big enough customers, big enough prospects. You aren't recommending enough uh, solutions to help people solve their problems what in whatever capacity that you can apply go for no to your world if you did not hear a no today you 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 are not living up to your potential you're not maximizing the challenge though is that uh, the programming is so deep that when when we think about that we think, well, wait a minute. No, no is bad. I don't want I've been trained and taught not to hear no. And so there's like cognitive dissonance that almost starts happening where it's like, I've been taught not to hear no, but you're saying go for no. And so that model becomes so important for people to really embrace, to say, if I can embrace this and really get it, then I can continue to apply go for no and get those lessons. Yeah, who's really good at this? Uh, a five-year-old that wants a cookie before dinner. It's like, they'll be persistent. They'll hear the word no, undeterred. They'll come up with another way to ask the same question, something like that. And they're going to keep at it till they get that cookie. <laughs> and so what happened from the time that we're five <laughs> years old to now, where it's like, you know, where we no longer have that same level of resilience and that zeal, you know, to overcome the word no, that that, that somehow it's like, you know, we're, you know, some people like that they take it like a dagger to the heart. <laughs> it's like, what happened here? They do, they do. And I think Carol Dweck painted a really good picture of this in her book Mindset, where she talks about and she looks at children all different ages and the two mindsets that are kind of built into the DNA of of kids. And it's, you know, this fixed mindset and this growth mindset. But somewhere along that line, like you said, Lee, I mean, that um, that tenacity, I think what happens is it's that self-awareness and it's that aware, it's that self-awareness that other people are watching me and looking at me. Mm -hmm. And when we're that little kid, it's like, we don't care who sees us and we don't care how ridiculous we look. We just want to get what we want. And then when we hit six or seven or eight, we start realizing our our friends are looking at us, other people are looking at us and they're judging us and, and what do they think? And because we are biologically wired to not get thrown out of the tribe, we start changing our behavior to not do things that have us get noticed or have us be embarrassed or have us get rejected. And so we whittle down you know, those, that personality and that tenacity and that persistence in order to make sure that we're liked and make sure that we fit in with the tribe. And then, of course, that that mindset and that framework of not wanting to be rejected sticks with us, you know, through adulthood. And it's amazing how, and I've experienced this myself, and I've talked to so, you know, I mean, hundreds of salespeople who catastrophize a no. It's like you get a no, you get that one no, and it's, and no matter what's going on in your life or business, you think this no is the end. This no you know, I'm not going to make quota. I'm going to, therefore, I'm going to be fired and I'm going to be living under the freeway overpass starting tomorrow. All that will happen, <laughs> you know, after one no. And it's like, wait a minute, that's, that's, 
that's that's wrong. But of course, our brains are wired to see, sense danger and to play up that danger. So we do something about it. And that's, I think, what makes no so debilitating and why we've got to change the the, the thought patterns mm-hmm. and do this reprogramming. I think there's a lot of people listening who are a lot like me. So I'm going to ask you to coach me on something like I'm the type of guy who when I'm on stage and I'll get my scores back and everything like that, I'm getting fives, you know, occasionally some fours or something like that. And there'll be like one person that'll give me a three or something like, or two people gives me a three and I'm fixated on the threes. I'm ignoring all of the fives and everything like that. And I, and I'm trying to figure out why did this person give me a three? What did I do that did not resonate, you know, with this person and what can I learn from that? But like, so what kind of coaching advice would you give to somebody like me who fixates on that instead of the, 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 the bigger positives here? Yeah. So taking that rejection personally is ubiquitous and we we all do it. And you're right. It doesn't matter how much great feedback you get. Um, one of the things I like to say, and it's, it's kind of a weird thing to wrap your brain around, but it's... Um, that rejection isn't personal and it's not about you even when it's about you. So it's not about you even when it's about you. It's always about the other person. And one of the things that we talk about and when they say in the book when they say no is, you know, picture um, a customer comes in and asks for uh, vanilla ice cream on a sugar cone. You know, does the strawberry ice cream turn to the chocolate and say, like, why didn't we get picked? (laughs) What happened? Like, this is horrible. I feel so bad. And the reason is, is because that customer at that moment had a preference and the next customer will come in and ask for strawberry and the next customer will come Mm -hmm. in and ask for chocolate. And so I think that when we really understand preferences, one of my favorite stories um, that I love to tell is uh, Richard and I wrote this other book called Million Dollar Year. And authors love to go in and look at their reviews um, on Amazon and and, and mm-hmm. see the feedback and everything. And of course, you're always hoping for people saying like, this book changed my life and all of these things. I remember going in one time and seeing this person who said uh, on this particular book, they said, this book wasn't worth the paper that it's printed on. And it was like, oh, you know, that's a gut punch. And in that moment, when I had that feeling, I recognized that physical feeling. And that physical feeling of that gut punch, that, that you know, sickness that yeah. we feel, that is hardwired. And so what we have to do is we have to allow for that feeling. It's not about pretending those feelings don't exist, but it's allowing it to pass through and saying, okay, this is, I'm feeling this way because this is how I'm built this. I'm human. I'm designed this way. Now let me think about this differently. And so what I said to myself was, this isn't about me, even though it's about a work that we created, right? And we're so proud of, and we want to get great reviews. So I, and Amazon doesn't allow this anymore, but I decided to type back a response to this person. And I said, hey, I'm. thank you for buying the book. I'm really sorry that it wasn't your cup of tea. I get it. There's things out there. There's movies I've walked out of. I, I hated the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I Richard and I left after about 20 minutes. We were like, okay, people flying around this may, fighting with swords. This makes no sense. Like we're, we're out. And and so I gave that example and I said, so I get it. You know, there's things sometimes that just don't resonate. Um, and that was it. And I went back in, I guess, probably a few months later just to, again, see see more reviews, see, see what people are saying about the book. 
And this person, and this is what I did not expect, and I was not gunning for this in any way, shape, or form, but they actually changed their review and said, I went back and reread the book, and it's actually really good. I'm changing changing my rating to a four star. Now, that is not the point of the story, though. The point of the story is how to really empathize with somebody who doesn't like us or doesn't, um, our work doesn't resonate and to, and to think about a time where you also were repelled by a a work or, or something. And to say that that's just because of how your beliefs and your baggage. And when we really get into a space where we can appreciate, um, the people that reject us and and their reasons, then it makes the people that accept us all that more mm-hmm. powerful too, mm-hmm. right? And we can't mm-hmm. take, we can't um, leave the rejections and take the acceptance. We've got to, we've got to um, take both and say both actually aren't about me. Even the people that love me and say my work changed their life, that's because they decided to make that happen. So, Lee, I think to answer your question, you know, it takes practice in those moments to. Um, and to go through that mindset process um, to really appreciate that, okay, that that was that person's experience. Um, but to distance yourself really from all of that feedback, because it's really about what your audience did. And if you did your job, then you should be happy. Yeah, I tell him when he comes off stage, I go, that was great. And everybody was really engaged. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He just, <laughs> he doesn't want to hear it. But, uh, but that's why I go to these things and listen to him and, you know, this could have been better. That could have been better because when, you know, when you're up there talking or you're even presenting internally in a meeting, uh, we have our marketing meeting later today, by the way, and I've got to, you know, do that for an hour. You don't remember what you said, what came out of your mouth. I mean, honestly, when you're in the midst of doing it, right, Lee, you always come off and you're like, I have no idea how I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, the story that was great by the way, was is that, uh, you know, every job has parts about that suck and sales, <laughs> yeah. you know, the rejection part, quite frankly, and the pressure of of, uh, of goals and everything like that is part of the suck. And what, what was good about what you did there was you embraced the suck, you know, and, mm. and so you kind of said, hey, it's like, okay, this person gave me a low, low review. They didn't like my work and everything like that. And, you know, you just embraced it and kind of said, hey, I understand. And you yeah, you, that's what your story to me was all about. Was was embracing the, you know the, the part of you know being an author, which is getting a crappy review when you put you put your heart and soul into writing this book over a period of months, if not years, and, and to actually to get that. But you know you were undeterred, and uh, you know you were empathetic about it rather than getting all torqued off about it. So I think I, I applaud you for that. It's a, it's a great example of what you're trying to teach here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz wrote the the four agreements. One of them is not to take things personally. And he says, when you practice that, when you get that, it is freeing and it truly is freeing. And that was the book that actually helped me. I, I partnered that with the go for no mindset um, because I am a perfectionist and I want to be perfect. I want to like you, Lee, I want to walk off the stage and be like, I did a hundred, you know, that was a hundred performance, not 99. Like I want everybody in the audience to love it. And um, because of that, I had to, I I really had to work on my mindset. I think that what you're teaching is wonderful too, because really all of this comes from putting yourself out there, whether you're publishing a book or calling on a prospect, you know, 
doing a presentation, you're putting yourself out there and it's, you know, not everybody is willing to take the risk to do that. And so learning how to cope with the things that go along with that is very helpful. Yeah, I've, I've got one last question for you, Andrea. It's like, so uh, I've yet to see a, a, a comp program uh, that actually rewards salespeople for hearing the word no. You know, it's all about making the sales and, and upselling and everything like that because the sales manager's got a goal that they need to reach, you know, because they want to hit an accelerator. Uh, and, and so they feel pressured and everything like that. But it's like, I don't, is there anything that, that man, sales managers can do systematically then to take this concept, this mindset and, and bake it into, you know, this is how our sales team does business. So one of the things that we talk about and go for no is setting no goals, which is setting a goal for the number of no's that you uh, that you collect. And mm -hmm. that can be on a daily or weekly basis. And so that is a way to measure your go for no activity. And of course, you don't want to get bad no's, meaning you don't want to go for no and just be asking unqualified prospects bad questions, which just gives you a flurry of no's, which is just ridiculous and a waste of time, obviously, right? We want to be asking qualified. We want to be talking to the right people. We want to be making the right offer and we want to be getting good no's um, and, and, and not bad yeses. So if you can get your team to do that, then you can kind of quantify it and you can have a contest to see how many um, no's people can get in a particular afternoon or on a day or in a week. And But the other thing I think to your point, and it's true that the comp plan, you know, it's easier to reward the yeses. They're so much easier to measure. So no goals is one way to measure, but also managing people on a behavioral level. So celebrating their attempts as much as they celebrate, you know, the results so if you have somebody who makes 10 calls and they do, you know, they're they're working on their script, they're they're doing uh what they can to to make that call go well, um, the best they can for their skill. And then you have one person who made one call who got a yes, the person who made the 10 uh got 10 no's. From a leadership standpoint, it's really important to reward that person and encourage them that, hey, you're doing the behaviors necessary. We can't control the fact that you just happened to talk to 10 people who weren't ready, who had budget issues, who had this going on, but they'll be ready in the future. And if we follow up with them and you, you stay with your sales cadence, presumably a, a couple of those no's are going to turn into yeses. And I think that's the crucial part of of the go for no strategy is having managers who look at what's going on with their people from a behavioral standpoint and not always just looking at the report at the end of the month or at the end of the week and just taking that on face value and not paying attention to what people are actually doing. And don't let them give up too soon. Don't let them take that no and just kind of say, case closed, we're done with that. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a whole other conversation we could have mm -hmm. about, <laughs> yeah. about how to how to turn those no's into yeses down the line. Well, that sounds good. Well, I, your goforno.com is your website and you're also on LinkedIn and Facebook, go for no. Andrea, this has been very, these tips have been great. Ideas have been great. And yeah, maybe we'd love to have you come back and talk about the, the conversion of no's. <laughs> right, um, right. It's a, a whole other time. thing, right? To get better totally. from getting no. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.